Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficacelli. Hello, and thanks for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficacelli. This program, Answering the Call, gives us a unique chance to get to know some of our ordained clergy and religious in our diocese and learn about their particular faith journeys as they answer the call to a religious vocation in our church. And sometimes, you know, we have plans and dreams for our lives, and God may have a different one, but always a better one if we're courageous to follow that. And with me today is Father P.J. Brandamarty. He's the parochial vicar at St. Paul's in Westerville. He's here to share his story on Answering the Call. So welcome, Father Brandamarty. Thank you. Good morning. It's great to be with you today. And you grew up in Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh area. You came from a pretty solidly Catholic uh, family. So let's start there and tell us a little bit about the Catholic nature of your family. Oh, absolutely. So first and foremost, I'm a proud Yinzer. Uh, that's what we <laughs> call people from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, uh, born into uh, a Italian-German family, very, very strong in the faith, um, uh, my father is very strong in the faith, uh, spent some time in seminary. My mother, um, along with her sister, uh, my godmother, they both discerned uh, religious vocation. My uh, my aunt, my godmother, uh, did become a sister. She is a sister of the Holy Spirit. They are a diocesan religious order in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, um, focusing on nursing and education. Um, and still to this day, she's uh, she works at a uh, nursing home and um, just loves her vocation. So I've been surrounded by uh, religious vocations my entire life. And I would imagine with that Catholic background, there was mass and prayers or, or that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite things to do when I was uh, when I was very young was go to mass. I always looked forward to it. Um, I used to, when we got home, I used to uh, put my dad's white t-shirts on um, because at that time. Anybody who's seen me knows I'm a giant, but at that time, my dad was a giant, so putting on that white t-shirt made it look like I had an all-bond, and I would flatten <laughs> out, you know, bread, good Italian bread, I'd flatten it out, and uh, I would say mass in my, uh, in my parents' living room when I was, you know, three, four, five years old. So even at that very young age, there was already, you know, an inkling that maybe this might be something. Just It was at least somewhere on the radar, even as a young child. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Now, so you had this, uh, like you say, these this aunt who was a sister, and so you're surrounded by vocations. That was, you know, something on your on your mind. Um, what about outside of your family? Did anyone outside your family recognize that there may have been something unique about you? That there may have been a possible vocation here? You know, I I, I spent a lot of time in my youth in uh, the Boy Scouts, and I, I love the Boy Scouts, uh, especially at that time. They were a really solid organization. Um, and I served in a lot of, uh, you know, capacities and, you know, just being, just being around, uh, there were always priests, um, around. So it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful way to, to just express, um, our faith and get to know priests as normal people. Um, my, my pastor growing up, he became the, we moved, uh, from one area of Pittsburgh to the other and we moved in July, and he became the pastor of the church that we went to in July. And he was uh, the pastor 
all through my all through my uh, my young adult young life, young adult life, and adult life, Father Regis Farmer. Um, and he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal priest, phenomenal pastor, very dedicated to to preaching, very dedicated to the Mass, and he really, he served as, you know, this image of what a priest could be for me. Mm. And I know uh, you have a, a story, uh, I think someone else who may have singled you out was your bishop at the time of your confirmation. Oh. Tell us, that's a cute story, I love that. Oh, yes, that was a uh... Both to the uh, imp- uh, amazement and and horror, sometimes I think of my of my parents. Um, I was ordained. Uh, I'm sorry, I was ordained. I was confirmed uh, by Bishop Zubik, Bishop David Zubik, uh, back when he was auxiliary bishop of Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. And he knew uh, he he was certainly aware of my family because he was the chaplain to the Sisters of the Holy Spirit, the order that my aunt was a member of. So he would certainly have known my name. Um, we had met a couple times, but uh, I don't think he knew me, so to speak, at least until my, my confirmation. He had a practice of uh, asking uh, people questions, very similar to how if anyone ever saw Bishop Campbell um, mm-hmm. do a confirmation, Bishop Campbell would always ask questions, but Bishop Campbell asked the whole group. Bishop Zubik uh, asked single singled people out, and for most people, you know, he he would ask one question and then move on. Um, but Bishop Zubik, uh, you know, being named Brandy Marty, I'm, I'm very first on the alphabetical list. <laughs> he called me first and made me stand up, and he asked me question after question after question. I, I would, in my mind, it was like 20 minutes. In, real, <laughs> in reality, it was probably about five minutes. But if you've ever actually counted out five minutes of standing up in front of uh, oh you know, 200 of your classmates, <laughs> it's a long time. That's a very long um, time. You know, my my parents were sitting there and my sponsor, and they both said the same thing. They were like, oh, when's he going to let poor PJ sit down? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe a little foreshadowing there that you were able to get up there and and answer and questions about your faith at such a young age. I I think that's impressionable. And I want to get into what you were just mentioning, too, about scouts, because I know that um, as a parent of four Eagle Scouts myself, I know that service is at the heart of scouting. So was scouting another way God might have been planting seeds for future priesthood? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was I joined as a Tiger Scout back probably in 1993 uh, was when I first joined Scouts, and I was uh, active in Scouts all the way until I graduated high school in 2004. Um, it was a phenomenal program. I made a lot of very good friends, but I also uh, really deepened the faith. Um, our our troop was based at our church. Um, the, almost everybody was was Catholic in our troop, so. Uh, Church was at the center of everything we did um, in our in our Boy Scout troop. Um, our priest would uh, he would actually come to summer camp. He wouldn't stay, but he would come up and he would uh, every once in a while say mass for us. Um, that was always a that was always a great experience. But the 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 real turning point for me was when I went to the the National Scout Jamboree, um, and I was selected to be the chaplain's aide for our for our troop, and. I, I was leading these prayer services every morning. The Boy Scouts gave us gave all the chaplains aides a a book, and I would lead this non denominational service every morning. But every morning, one of the uh, the assistant scoutmaster would knock on my tent and would invite me to go to mass. And I would go, being you know, I think I was fourteen, fifteen years old at the time. I was the only scout. I was the only youth that would actually go to mass every morning. 
So after about three days of this, the jamboree lasted uh, seven days. After about three days, the priest realized, um, you know, hey, why are you the only one here who's under the age of 40? <laughs> um, so we talked, and he's, uh, he gave me a special, uh, a special patch. Um, at the jamboree, you got patches for doing going above and beyond. So he gave me the special chaplain's aid patch, and he said, you know, if you're you've got a great voice, you you know, you stepped up every day, you volunteered a lector, you know, you may, you may want to look at a vocation. Um, so I, I left the jamboree with this, with this idea that maybe, uh, maybe a religious vocation might be something that, um, that I could do. And within a week of leaving, uh, the jamboree, my, uh, godfather passed away. Uh, my uncle Ed, um, you know, in the Italian culture, you know, the movies are true. Godfathers are very, very important um, yeah. to Italians, godparents in general. And losing him uh, was was difficult. But I had the I had the one of the high highs of my life and one of the lows of my life within a week of each other. And the faith was central in both of those areas in uh, keeping me keeping me close. So yeah. that was a, that was a beautiful experience. Um, despite the, despite the pain, uh, coalescing with the joy, it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful statement of who I may one day become. Yeah. Now you also had another desire in your heart. Tell us how you became enchanted with the idea of the Navy. Oh yes. So, um, when I was in fifth grade, uh, our Boy Scout troop went, uh, to Washington, D.C., and we stopped at Annapolis. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, seeing the Brigade of Midshipmen, seeing, uh, seeing the ships. Um, and, you know, in Washington, D.C., there's the Washington Naval Yard, so you can actually see, you know, all these ships. And I thought, this is the best thing ever. Um, I think the, the theme of service has always been central to who I am. And I decided in fifth grade that I was going to be in the Navy. And over the next year, I decided specifically I was going to uh, be the captain of a destroyer. That's, that's, that's what I wanted to do. Everything else took a backseat to that. My whole high school, my whole middle school and high school career was planning for that. Um, I applied to the Naval Academy, but I ended up withdrawing my application because uh, I'm, I'm smart, but I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> But instead, I applied to the Virginia Military Institute, and uh, I applied for a naval ROTC scholarship so that I would have a, a military academy training, uh, but also be able to join the Navy after after completing school. And, you know, everything was going great until uh, one day in wrestling, I uh, injured myself, and then a couple months later, I injured myself again. And both of those were ankle problems. And then finally, I, uh, I broke my knee. Uh, it's probably the easiest way of explaining what I, what I exactly did. But the bottom line was, uh, when you join the military, you go before a, a medical review board. And they determined that I wasn't fit at that point for uh, what's called the unrestricted line. So basically, what that means is I would never have the opportunity to command a destroyer. I could do other jobs in the Navy. I right. could be a supply corps officer. I could be a chaplain, but I could never, never be on a ship. So that completely changed the trajectory of everything that I was, I was going to do. 
You're listening to Answering the Call. I'm Elizabeth Ficicelli with Father P.J. Brandamarty. Uh, Brandamarty, he's from St. Paul's in Westerville. He's sharing his story. And Father, you know, this is not the first time we've heard kind of a, a dream that goes kind of a, off the path. But we know that when God shuts one door, he opens a window or opens another door. And as you said, these challenges set you on a new trajectory. What happened next? So at that point... Um... You know, it was my junior year of uh, high school, ending my junior year, and I kind of had to scramble because I had to figure out, okay, not only where am I going to go to school, but what am I going to do with my life? Because I had never conceived of doing anything else. So I decided uh, to stay local in Pittsburgh. Uh, My best friend from high school was going to Duquesne University, a Catholic university in Pittsburgh, and I decided, okay, I'll go there. So I went there, and... It was probably three weeks into the semester, and I, you know, I was I was doing my good, good Catholic thing. I left the Boy Scouts when I turned eighteen. I immediately joined the Knights of Columbus. First thing I did uh, when I got to the campus of uh, Duquesne, and after about a week, I realized that um, hey, this priesthood thing is pretty pretty awesome. So I started uh, I started looking uh, specifically into becoming a Navy chaplain because I had remembered that you know. I could be a chaplain. Mm-hmm. And that led me to calling uh, Father James Wayner, the director of the de- vocations for the Diocese of Pittsburgh, and, and talking to him about the possibility of being a chaplain. And it was, it was Father Jim who informed me that, you know, that may be a possibility, but there is no path to the priesthood that guarantees you to be a chaplain. Mm-hmm. You are used the way, the way that the bishop and the way that the church need you to be used. So I, uh, I took that, and I started reflecting on it, but the, the, the call to the priesthood um, certainly got stronger, but unfortunately at the same time, the call of the world was also getting stronger. So right. I was living, um, a, 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 I wouldn't say a double life, but a, a somewhat double life in that I was, you know, in my mind, I was, okay, yeah, let's, let's prepare for seminary, let's do this, but I wasn't. Um, I was wasting a great deal of money by paying for private Catholic education and not going to class. Um, I was uh, spending a lot of time um, away from uh, away from religious activities. That's probably the best way of saying that. And it got to the point where uh, I, I talked to Father Weiner, and I had already I had actually started to fill out my application to the seminary in Pittsburgh. But we both agreed that based on my academics and based on a lot of other things, at that point. It was not the right time, so that kind of, that led me to uh, look at other career options, so to speak. Um, I, I think that's where I would say that I kind of fell away from the faith. Um, I, I would I, I would consider myself a really good Italian Catholic in that culturally I was as Catholic as possible. You know, I always I always gave up stuff for Lent. Right. I never meet meat on Friday, <laughs> but the idea of Praying was just non-existent. The idea of actually going to mass also non-existent, unless my unless I had to because my my parents wanted me to. Um, and even even to an extent, a belief in God, or at least the belief that God is there and God is uh, desiring me and desiring my life, also went by the wayside. Sure. So it's uh, for the next several years, um, I was I was living as a practical atheist. Um, still, still a very good, like I said, Italian Catholic, you know, culturally, you know, I defend the church to the day I died. And I was, I was definitely, 
you know, I was giving stuff up for Lent, so that counted, right? right. Um, but, but <laughs> so as God but always does, he's going to intervene, obviously, because uh, you are a priest today. What, what method did he use? What people or situation did he use to say, hey, PJ, over here? <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that, that's perhaps the most interesting part of this whole, this whole journey. Uh, by this point, I had moved out to Columbus, where I am now, and I was working for Sony. And one of my one of my very good friends, uh, he's my oldest friend. I met him when we were in the fourth grade. Uh, his name is Leland Thorpe. Actually, his name now is Brother Leland Thorpe of the Oblates <laughs> of the Virgin Mary. He was, yep, so everyone knows where this is going. Uh, <laughs> Brother Leland was uh, a really good friend of mine. We spent a lot of time together throughout middle school, elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, he might be the smartest person I've ever met. He has a bachelor's and two master's degrees from Carnegie Mellon University. He's accomplished in everything he's ever done. And uh, he, at this point, he was, I would say, a Buddhist, um, but he had always been very interested in the Catholic faith. He always, we would always have discussions and arguments and uh, debates about the faith. And one day he called me up and said, I really feel like I need to be an Anglican priest. And mm. that was kind of shocking to me. His, <laughs> his aunt was an Anglican priest, or is an Anglican priest, but um, I didn't know that Christianity was on his radar, let alone a vocation. Yeah. So we talked, and I don't know what made me say it, but I invited him to read the Church Fathers, which was really unusual because at that point I wasn't doing anything Christian-related um, in my life. But about a week later, he called me up and said, I have to be Catholic, and I'm not happy about it, but I have to be Catholic. And it, just <laughs> his, his intellect just opened up for him the reality that if, this, if, if, if Christ is Christ and we are to follow Christ, then the only logical path to fully follow Christ is within the Catholic faith. Everything else, when you look at the history of the Church, especially the early Church, nothing today looks like what Christ's Church that he founded looks like, except for Catholicism. Right. And there he asked me to be his sponsor uh, as he was uh, going to come into the Church. And, you know, he lived right next to the cathedral in Pittsburgh. So, he, And this is a guy who was converting to become a Catholic priest. So that was a, he really felt that vocational call. He felt that conversion. He was inviting me to be his sponsor. For all of my flaws, one thing I never do is do something halfway. <laughs> so I accepted, and I got in my car, and I looked up on, on Google. By this point, I was working for Motorola as a, uh, as a marketing director for Central Ohio, and I was living in Westerville. And I looked up uh, Catholic churches, I found St. Paul's, uh, I found Confession, went to Confession for the first time in probably seven or eight years, maybe ten years, and I was all ready to, to say, you know, no, this is not, this is, uh, I'm never doing this again if this goes bad. And Father <laughs> Klinger, uh, the former pastor of, of St. Paul's, where I'm at now, heard my first confession. He was so kind and so loving. Um and from that weekend, I've never, I've never missed a weekend mass, and there probably has not been more than a three or four week period at the most when I've not been to confession. 
So, so walking that journey that started with me. Yeah. I was just gonna say walking that journey with your friend really kind of turned you around and then put it on your heart then at least to try seminary, I would suppose. Oh, absolutely. So there were uh, there were probably three distinct times where I considered seminary. The first was right after um, right after the jamboree that we talked about. The second was in college, and the third and final time was uh, here in Columbus. And I was praying about, okay, you know, here I am. I'm approaching 24. I'm young, but I'm not too young. Um, I'm established in my career. If I am going to try this, this seems like a good time. Right. The other, the other thing that was really pushing me, and uh, you know, I've, I've said this many times, working, working as a marketing director, I was living out of my car. Um, I was working nine, ten-hour days, and of those nine, ten-hour days, at least four or five of those hours were spent in my, in my Jeep. And I, I ran out of music to listen to very quickly, and I started listening to Catholic radio. I started listening to, um, at that point, I, uh, I think it was 1580. Um, uh, but now, uh, you know, AMA 20 was, was a cornerstone of my uh, re-education in the faith, my discovery of its beauty. And I spent almost three years driving around Central Ohio listening to AMA 20. Um, and I, I decided that this was, this was the time to give it a try. This was right. the time to say, okay, I've thought about it for so long. Let's give it a try. So and you entered I, the... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, so you entered the Josephinum in 2012, uh, three years of college, four years of seminary. And um, obviously, you made it through there, so your vocation was confirmed. Uh, I do have to ask the question, um, is, is the idea of the Navy still a possibility, or do you think there was another purpose in, in, in all of that? You know, I, it's one of those things that I would like to do, but it's entirely secondary uh, at this point. And to be honest, I'm, you know, as much as I, I still think I'd like to, I'd like to put on the uniform and uh, serve our country and, and also serve the sailors and Marines and uh, Coast Guardsmen who serve our country. Um, I, I'm very happy serving the people of God uh, as a parish priest. Um, there's, there's nothing better. And I think that, you know, God, uh, kind of baked in that idea of service in my mind through that that love of the navy that love of the military that uh led me to be you know able to give myself fully to the mission that he has provided for me here in Westerville and that is awesome and you're up there at St. Paul's in Westerville and we'll see where uh God takes you next um, is there any special memory of your ordination back in 2019? Oh, there's so. Uh, it, it, it was by far the most moving um, experience, and one one thing that was was beautiful was so many people uh, showed up that I didn't expect, including um, my confirmation sponsor, my old scoutmaster, whom I have not wow. seen in. <laughs> I don't think I've seen him since 2004, and here we are, 2019, in Columbus, Ohio, and he was there. Um, ah, beautiful. So it, it was, it was, it was great to see. He was one of the he was one of the first people that I think really believed in me um, outside of my family, and it was it was a beautiful uh, testament that I was able to 
honor the life that he had taught me in many ways to, to lead so well. Father Brandon Marnie, my last question is, what would you say to others who are weighing their dreams and discernment? That is a, that is a phenomenal question. The, a piece of advice I give, especially to young people, is if you feel at all called to the religious life, don't wait. Give it a try. Um, if I have a regret of this process, it's that I haven't been a priest longer. And I have met people who have had regrets about not um, perhaps pursuing that call that God gave them. And the only way to know, the only way to know is to give it a try. And believe me, um, if seminary or if the convent or the monastery are not right for you, you will know and you will know very quickly. Um, right. right. But it's so much easier to, to, to ask God those questions when you're younger. It's so much easier to discern those things when you don't have, frankly, the obligations of life, the obligations of student loans and bills and, and feeding yourself and taking care of uh, others. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, everything in God's time, but God will answer that question for you very easily if you ask it. The key oh, is great. the key is to ask it, and the key is to be open to what God God wants in your life. He's never going to call you to a vocation if it's not something you're going to enjoy. Um, that is great, great advice. And we're so, Father, uh, we're so. Um joyful that you did try that, that you did try that, you discerned, and you answered the call to priesthood. Uh, we're so blessed with your priesthood for our diocese. And can you just leave us with your uh, blessing, please? Absolutely. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon each of you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Name the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was Father P.J. Brandamardi, parochial vicar of uh, St. Paul's in Westerville. And this is Answering the Call. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli. Please join us uh, every Saturday and Sunday at 1230 for another edition. And in the meantime, have a great week and God bless you all. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficacelli are available at stgabrielradio.com.